0: welcome to our live OperaCast recording as part of the 2020 Leeds Opera Festival. I'm David Ward. Over the next 45 minutes or so we're going to discuss opera futures. What does and more interestingly what should the future of opera hold for artists and audiences. Now thank you all so much for sending your suggestions in advance. We're going to discuss those and the thoughts of our panel this afternoon. If you've got any comments or ideas that come up during the recording, please do write them in the chat and we'll get on to as many as possible this afternoon. So I'm delighted to be joined by an esteemed panel uh, to discuss these and more with me this afternoon. Uh, Making her OperaCast debut, it's the conductor Olivia Clark. Hello, Olivia. Hello. How are things with you?
1: Yeah, not bad, thank you. Yeah. Good. Now,
0: you're very excitingly in rehearsals at the moment for the English National Opera Drive-In, Lab OM. Um, How's that going and how, how does the orchestra work in that? Are you above, underneath, behind? I mean, how, how does it kind of work logistically?
1: Uh, I, that, that's a sort of secret for uh, for the concert goers. But um, I, it's interesting that you said drive in because you're not the first person to say that. And the idea that you can just get your sort of Starbucks on the way um, and then drive out again. But no, it's uh, drive and live. So the, it's at Alexandra Palace, and um, uh, the idea is that uh, you can you can bring your car, you can enjoy the opera from the car, and the audio will be fed into your car's uh, Microphone system, um, and it's uh, it's really exciting just to be back in a rehearsal room and, and doing something in a in a new and uh, fresh way. So yeah, it's been great so far. We've just finished week one um, of the the red team's rehearsals. There's a red team and a blue team kept miles and miles apart, not allowed to go anywhere near each other. we um, <laughs> wearing masks for the rehearsals. The social distancing is in place. There's there so much organisation and effort that's gone into uh, getting this project on the way. So it's gonna be good.
0: Like SWAT team policing meets opera, kind of red team, <laughs> blue team's masks. maps. Yeah, uh, logistical nightmare. Um, well, it, sounds, it all sounds very exciting, a great initiative. Um, we're also joined this afternoon, uh, again making his opera cast debut, by the singer and all-round kind of twenty-first century polymath, Peter Brathwaite. Hello, Peter. Hi there. Uh, how are things? How are things with you? Uh, I'm well, thank you. Enjoying
2: um, a Sunday and the sun shining now, so I'm I'm, I'm much happier.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Over lockdown, you've become somewhat of a kind of a, a social media minor celebrity with your with your Getty <laughs> challenge. <I> mean, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that for people that, that don't know what that is.
2: Uh, So the Getty Challenge is a challenge that's been set by the Getty Museum to recreate works of art in your own home uh, using what you have to hand. Um, So uh, I've been doing this now since uh, April. (laughs) It's been a long time Um, and have recreated over 80 uh, portraits featuring um, black sitters
0: specifically. It's really, I mean, I would highly recommend popping to, to Peter's Twitter to have a look. I mean, we were saying just before we came, I know it's such an amazing way of kind of highlighting um, these kind of artworks and the historical detail, but in a really kind of fun and and, and creative way. So it's it's absolutely fantastic. Definitely. Recommend, oh, thank you. Um, pop Thanks. up to Peter's Twitter to have a look at that. Um, and our final panelist this afternoon, a familiar voice to opera cast, if not face, is the director, Emma Black. Uh, hello, Emma.
1: Hi, David.
0: Hello, you've just been with us in Leeds, um, yeah. coming on a, an opera this week, Thomas and Sally. Um, how was the return to the, the rehearsal room? I think you said it's your first opera you directed in, what about a year and a, a, year and a half,
3: is it? Over, over a year, so the um, the combination of, of motherhood and then COVID-19 means I've um, not done a lot of work. Uh, yes, no, it was, it, it was just incredible. Um, your producer took a, a, what I think is a very lovely picture of me. I'm just beaming <laughs> during the rehearsal. No, it was it was just brilliant to be brilliant to be working again. And like Olivia said, just being back in the room, hearing hearing live singers, hearing live musicians, is just there's nothing like it.
0: Well, you did a you did a terrific job. Um, so well done. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this weekend. Um, right, let's get on to some some chat then. So looking at opera future. Um, I'm going to selfishly start by kind of introducing one of my ideas to think, see what the panel think. Um, I say if you're watching at home, do let us know your thoughts in the chat. Um, so to kick us off then, we've been talking a lot recently you know about how the freelance life is. It's a difficult way of life, especially obviously during the, the coronavirus pandemic, so few lifelines for freelancers. We've been talking a lot about how young artists have got very few opportunities to build careers, build roles, the climate crisis is upon us. We don't want to be flying around as much, um, kind of going from country to country, city to city. Uh, we also know that opera houses are under increasing financial pressures as well. So the first idea I want us to discuss is this idea of why don't we go back to the house model, this kind of repertory model of making an opera company with more permanently contracted singers an opera house. It gives singers uh, stability, you know, one or two year contracts at a house, more opportunity for those singers to sing a range of roles, get that experience, less flying singers into opera houses to do all the roles and um, cutting back on, on all of that kind of side of the business. And it reduces costs for the opera houses themselves as well, not having to fly people around, not having to house people and not having those really, really expensive um, kind of freelance fees as, as well that kind of come with it. So that's the idea I want us to you uh, Into to to get off uh, to get off uh, the mark today. And um, can I come to you first, Peter? As a singer, how would this idea kind of appeal to you? You know, a two-year contract to do kind of lots of different roles, or is part of the joy of being a singer for you getting to hop around different companies, do different projects with with different people? What do you reckon to this idea?
2: I I like the idea of a safety net. That's really attractive. Um, but I'd say that I do enjoy the the variety and and working with different companies and, and each experience is, is unique and um, you get into a rhythm of, of working like that. So I, I think uh, to suddenly find myself in that situation, it, it would take some getting used to, but um, I think that there's a lot to be said for being agile and um, drawing on quite a large pool of, of performers, especially when, we're thinking about the stories that we're telling and um, the the diversity that we're able to have when we draw upon a, a larger pool of singers rather than having a, a smaller ensemble um, working at an opera company. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm torn in a way. And, and obviously this period has um, made me yeah wish for a, a greater safety net uh, in this profession. Um, but yeah i I, i'd be worried that this would um restrict opportunities for for the the body of singers the pool of singers that we have and we're we're always replenishing um the profession with um fresh singers coming out of music colleges and um and directors and conductors and yeah so uh yeah it's a tricky one um
0: (laughs) I think I think that's a very fair point. And there's definitely something about that creative experience of having different people kind of coming in all the mm. time, kind of diff- different perspectives. I, I mean, Olivia, you're at uh, English National Opera at the moment on the, the Macaris Fellowship, so you're there, you're there for two years, sort of doing a, a similar sort of thing, I, I suppose, kind of getting a lot of that assisting experience, conducting some pieces. Uh, I mean, what, what do you kind of think from a conductor's perspective? Do you like the idea of having a constant sort of changing see your faces or is there something quite nice about that repertory model you know kind of building a a kind of a company ethos around kind of a core group of of performers
1: yeah i mean sorry a connection went a little bit funny but i i got the main gist um And I really agree with what Peter is saying. I think it depends on what stage your career you're at. Because as you said, for me, I'm just really finished my formal conducting training. Having two years um, at a a big company like Eno is perfect because I can really cut my teeth and see how an opera company works. What is really required? The job of a conductor, especially, I'm not just assisting um, one conductor. I'm will be assisting many different. Uh, people and um, so yeah that, for, in that way it works really well and I think as a singer as well if you've just finished training and you've been through uh, the enormous amount of degrees that you can do to be qualified as a singer now Um, <laughs> that, um that you just uh, it's good to have a kind of okay I'm here I'm gonna do this young artist thing for two years maybe would be great I think one year often they're one year long and I think maybe two years would be better but obviously because there are so many singers companies don't don't have to do that they can just keep changing um but then I think when you get into sort of mid-career I think the change and the agility and keeping the story fresh as Peter was saying I think is really crucial and you and the diversity um is is really necessary for that. Otherwise we're just gonna keep telling the same story over and over again. So, um, yeah, a bit of a mix.
0: Yeah, I mean, as I said, kind of one of the big discussion points, you know, f- for years, being honest, but especially at the moment is the opportunities available to young artists um, and that those seem to be kind of ever kind of diminishing. Uh, I mean, I wonder, Emma, kind of what your experience has been kind of hot footing from, from company to company and kind of meeting meeting kind of different performers. I mean, how much do you kind of feel that you're able to kind of tap into lots of kind of different singers or is it kind of the same faces that you sort of see? I know this has been another kind of talking point. Recently, kind of, as Peter was saying, that replenishment of singers or kind of new people coming in. I mean, how much do you kind of feel that you're able to see kind of lots of different people in the places you work or how much is it kind of the same sort of faces?
3: Very good question. I think, so I've been, I've been very lucky to work at uh Opera North a lot. And actually, I started there um in the administration working for the chorus and I got to know the chorus very, very well. Um and then I then went and did, did the freelance life. And then going back to Opera North, it is quite lovely to see to see the same faces because as well as obviously the, the core chorus, um they are there are artists that are often that are often there, and then you build relationships with people. So even though um, you might only be working on a show as an assistant director for six weeks. Um, often you will walk into the room on day one, and you'll know half the people already, and that is and that is lovely. So if there were to be more in-house people, you would have that all the time. But I also do really like the fact that if you know that you can go be in one place and you know, experience that how how they work, and then accrue knowledge there, and then take it and be, have it be of use somewhere else. Um, but, no, it's, it's, but there is definitely each house it feels in this country has, has, a, has kind of a core a core group. And um, a friend of mine who's a conductor, he was conduct- assisting on something a couple of summers ago, I want to say at Glassington, but the, the main body of singers were deemed as Opera North favourites. So I think on day one, the conductor was like, welcome to Opera North on tour, because it just felt like an Opera North <laughs> room. So that, there is a bit of that going on.
0: OK, so some interest for the opera house idea, but, you know, I agree that you know, that ability to kind of go from from place to place is, is very attractive um, as well. Uh, let's go on to our kind of first uh, listener suggestion then. Um, we've had kind of uh, a lot on this sort of theme, which is kind of bringing back operas made for television or making operas kind of specifically made for the screen. You know, the ability to reach thousands and thousands of audiences. We've seen lots of stuff going on over lockdown and so kind of bringing back a more regular model of making opera specifically for film and in this in this case specifically for television uh i mean olivia what's your kind of experience been over lockdown of kind of seeing things made for for screen i mean do you think that we're kind of ready to ramp that up yet I'll, i'll be honest from my point of view i've seen more things that have been um well-intentioned attempts than things that have kind of been uh, really uh, excellent things, kind of made specifically for for the screen. Um, but but what about yourself? You know, is that kind of the way forward? Would you love to be in a you know a sound studio making things for for television?
1: Do you know? I actually really would love to do some film music conducting um, because it's just such a different thing. But but not continuously. i just like to do it once. You know. But that, that's another thing. I think you maybe you might be kindly referring to one of the things I tried to do um, in your uh, in your summary of the lockdown videos. But um, I certainly think what I did uh, fell uh, fell into that category. Um, but yeah there's been a lot of stuff online and and every sort of singer conductor musician um has become an expert in video editing um and has i i've completely wrecked my laptop um by downloading far too many programs and having so many videos i've got hard drives coming out my ears uh, because of this <laughs> and i don't really know what to do with it all now but um it's been it, it's been interesting and what has been really cool is how creative and inventive um we can all be in that time but i i don't think long term and um, it's really what we want to aim for particularly with with singing um just because with opera singing in particular those overtones that make the hair on the back of your neck stand up and that uh the pleasure that you get from not always watching um, the lead singer in the room and maybe, oh like I'm I actually want to look at the double bassist, like oh he's saying something really cool. She sorry, unforgivably sexist. Um you can't do that if somebody's chosen a camera angle for you. Um and 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 the sound the sound engineering is so much better now and the technology is so nearly there. But um, yeah, so I'm a bit mixed about that, but certainly the lockdown videos, um, I really hope that's, um, that's the end of those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Peter, we, we had another comment completely against that. Someone just quite plainly saying, I don't enjoy online opera. I want live opera back. Um, yeah. I mean, is, is opera for screen a completely different world? Is that, is that a different product almost? You know, Can we think about them in, in the same way? Um, yeah, is opera uh, a experience.
2: I, I think so, because I think what we've seen over lockdown is that opera viewing online then becomes um, more of a, a solitary pursuit. Um, whereas when we're in a theatre and um, I know that when I'm going to the theatre, I, I love to watch other people and see how they're reacting to what they're seeing on stage. And, and that's all part of the fun. Um, and it's a it's a communal experience of us sitting uh with other people and enjoying what's on stage and yeah the the sooner we can get back to that that that's what i i'm i'm longing for that that experience and um and being in the theater and um i i think it's great that the the digital um aspect of what we do has um come to the fore during lockdown and and the two can coexist but yeah ultimately we're um, yeah, I think the goal is to be back in the theatre.
0: I mean, Emma, how would you feel if someone came to you, you know, and said, "Please, can you actually basically be a a film director rather than an opera director?" Is that something that kind of appeals to you? So, kind of creatively, I suppose, you know, is it would it be an interesting idea for you to get your hands on something like that, or if, or for you, are you always thinking about the stage? Is that where opera is?
3: Um. I mean, I, I love a challenge. I have literally no, no experience at all in, in filming. So I would probably, yeah, yeah, my career would go backwards many years and that would be frustrating. Um, but I, I think it's, the, yeah, as, as both Olivia and Future said, there is something about the, um, the live communal experience. Um, I went to um, one of Opera Holland Park's concerts a couple of weeks ago, which is my first time hearing live music since February Um, and I knew it would be emotional but I I still cried a lot Mm. (laughs) because there is there's just nothing there's just nothing like it um having said that though I think there have been some really brilliant brilliant things out there um the telephone which Scott Chopra did as part of the Edinburgh International Festival was really good and that was um that was uh that was Daisy um what is her name? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Daisy. Mm. Was, yeah, and I thought that was that was really really brilliant. Mm. Um, and so and just because it was clearly never meant to be in a theatre, that it was so specific to yeah. for the screen. I thought. Mm.
2: Good.
0: Good. Yeah, well, I think Scottish have definitely led the way. I mean, on on our last podcast, we had Antonia Bain, who's the I forget the official title, but she's the the digital producer or whatnot or a scottish and as well as the the telephone that they did you know they also did this opera just for film the narcissistic fish which was a a, <laughs> a short opera made specifically for film which i thought was 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 fantastic um and you know there have been some great television operas um you know the yep. first opera Weed is a company a mile and the night visitors um works really well on stage but you know that was originally a television opera you know mm-hmm. i love this idea that won't happen but bbc one you know 3pm on a sunday afternoon we have you know our our monthly hour-long television opera Uh, (laughs) i think trouble in tahiti i think that might have been another one for for television originally um so definitely Um, kind of come out owen
3: Owen wingrave was definitely for for tv first yeah
0: yeah so whether it's something that let's not get bogged down on whether it can happen whether it should happen i mean you know i think the idea of looking at opera and film as its as its own sort of genre itself would be really really exciting, you know. And definitely commend the work that Scottish have been doing in Antonia. There's been some fantastic things out there, um, and I definitely don't want to diminish people's online efforts um, over lockdown. I mean, I myself have done a number of online things which have been uh, of variable uh, technical proficiency. So I'm definitely not one to speak on that um, uh, on, on that line. Um, so uh going to Emma, um, so I asked each of you to kind of prepare an idea to kind of discuss today um as to what the future of opera should look like. Um, so Emma, can we kind of hear what you were what you were thinking about?
3: Yes, so um it was a model that was starting to get gather a little bit of steam before before lockdown happened. And basically my hope is that it will continue to so it's um the incredible work of SWAPRA, which is um supporting women and parents in opera. And they were uh, driving for companies to publish schedules um, a good amount ahead of time so that those who are parents or carers um, can and are working away from home can truly plan ahead and plan, plan you know, their other, their other responsibilities. And that kind of just that shift of um, I, I feel that maybe 20 years ago people would would not really talk about their outside life. Um, And, and I definitely I went to, I went to a women in opera uh, symposium about five years ago, and one of the female directors was like, I just don't tell people that I've got children. And I said, that's really, that's not ideal. So I think what soccer were doing with um, encouraging companies to 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 plan ahead, um, I would love for that to become become the norm. And also if I could make a request for in house childcare, that would also be
0: brilliant. (laughs) I mean, I mean, Peter, is, is, is being an opera singer conducive to kind of having a, I wouldn't say a normal life, but kind of a, a life that, that, can sort, you know, can, that can sort of work, work for you? Is there, is there more that companies could do to kind of look after singers better in terms of enabling them to have kind of have that balance rather than being called at all sorts of weird hours of the day and Saturdays, and, you know, all that, all that sort of thing? Or is that just kind of part and parcel of, of the existence? I'd
2: say that it is a, an unusual existence, but I, something that I've noticed, and um, yeah, with the the advent of Swapra and, and and more concern for for mental health and, and well being, um, that companies are really making an effort to to look after uh, their singers and um, performers. So I I've always felt really supported and that's a a great thing to feel when we're often working long hours when you get to tech weeks and and it becomes so much more intense um and yeah it's always quite a an intense experience being thrown together uh for a short period of time and um but yeah i I feel like um yeah that there is an effort now to to change scheduling and and think further in advance and um, yeah, so that's something that I hope will continue and uh, grow throughout this period and, and afterwards, and, um,
0: yeah. Uh, now, Olivia, I, I know that you were um, thinking along sort of similar lines to, to Emma, maybe from a little bit kind of a, a different perspective, but that sort of idea of well-being for artists was something that you were, were interested in kind of, uh, kind of talking about looking to the future.
1: Yeah, definitely, and yeah, I mean the sort of title, the future of opera, is a pretty daunting one. But um, I think that the um, the the well being idea and what Peter you're saying about mental health, there's I definitely feel there's been a progress um, in in my sort of lifetime. I started off as a singer and only started conducting about four years ago. And when I was a singer, I was kind of there was a lot of there wasn't the right. I I didn't feel um, able to speak out about difficulties i didn't feel like that network was there and now i see it sort of actively there in the rehearsal room so i just i will say that's changing and what i don't think is changing fast enough um in my opinion is uh the equality and diversity within and inclusivity just to use all the itchy words and in in opera, in specifically opera, classical music in general has a problem with this, but I, it's I don't know as much about it. Um, and why why is this rate of change so slow? Um, I I did uh, a com- I had a conversation with a few uh, conductors um, over lockdown. It was sort of one of these get all conductors together kind of thing, and I sort of asked. Um, what I thought was quite an easy question, they were people who were slightly more advanced than I was in um, career and I said, um, how has opera changed um, in your in your careers and both as a business and an art form and they said, oh no it hasn't, it doesn't need to, it's perfect as it is Mm -hmm. and there's no issue and the reason they answered like that um, is because the model of the world, as it stands, suits them absolutely perfectly. um They did all happen to be uh, white men um of a certain generation um and I do think that um, that's a big a, a big issue in um, in the opera world is that we're hearing a lot about women in leadership positions, there's a lot in the press about women conductors, something specific to me. Um, but actually, if you look at the statistics, they don't match up with the amount of coverage that it's being given. There is still no female music directors in any of the UK houses. Um, and there's only one or two in Germany. Germany has 83 opera houses. And I think there are two um, female general music mm. directors. Um, and two of them have just left, so that number is just depleted by half. Um, so it's um, it's a big problem, and I I didn't want to sort of just put a downer on it, um, but I think that uh, that that it's something to talk about, and it's something um, to just to just say. Uh, people honestly ask me about it all the time, and. Um, as if, and they say they always say the things. Oh well, there are so many women conductors now, um, and I just sort of wanted to say that that's really not the case. And often the people that I meet in that kind of c- circumstance. So if I'm doing a sort of women conductors course or whatever, everyone you're meeting, you're you're pushing an open door. There's no there's no traction with the outside world, and you're networking within a pre-existing supportive network so mm. um that that doesn't i don't think the impact is really going to carry and i i think post uh covid it's something to pay real close attention to and to not have this idea that it will just naturally trickle mm. down that patience is the answer and that in 30 years it will just be 50-50 because I I just don't think it
0: won't be. Well, I think that's it's such a hot topic at the moment, especially, you know, this idea that there was lots of things that people were trying to, to change and develop, you know, kind of pre-COVID and that the real worry is that when things start to get back to some sort of sense of, of, of normal, all of that kind of progress and discussion will be kind of halted, you know. And I think something else on a similar line that, you know, I, I've noticed of, the operas that are going ahead this autumn from the big companies, uh, you know, uh, Opera North, uh, Scottish Opera and English National Opera, you know, all of them are doing Lab O.M. You know, it's not not quite the same thing, but it's that sort of sense of, you know, before COVID, we were all trying to, you know, change the repertoire, get different things in there. And and now everyone's sort of battening down the hatches and going back to the old sort of favourites. I mean, Emma, if we're kind of holding this discussion on what should the future of opera look like, um, I mean, what would you kind of like to to see in you know 6 months a, a year time in terms of trying to change some of these stories you know what what should we be aiming for to kind of see out there so we actually see some sort of change
3: um I th- yeah uh, i think more more di- more diversity uh, and just it's yeah just we just need to there's there are these there's this whole generation that i feel I'm now we're kind of all ready to kind of make their mark, and then we've we've all you know it's we've all gone into lockdown, and I would hate to lose them and their and their energy and what they and what they bring because when you talk about why aren't there enough female conductors, why aren't there enough, um, bame artists, and a lot of it is um, I mean there's a whole myriad of things that I'm not qualified to talk about, but um, education uh, is such a huge part. So if you've been if you say that maybe in the last 10 years, there has been a, 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 a sort of a rate of change in the education system, which I hope there has been, that, that it's now been cut off. And for us to slip back would just be not, not ideal at all. So I think companies just need to make a commitment um, to, to carry on with what they, were, what they were trying to do. And even if it's just a simple thing as, let's say that um, the next, uh, one of our next productions that we do, it's an all female team. And that's you know I can I can name twenty female directors, twenty female designers. Uh, Livia will help me name twenty female conductors, and yeah. um, <laughs> and just and then that's that. And then you know, as you know, almost as if by magic, you've made a change. And mm. if you do it once, there's no reason why you can't do it every year or you know twice a year. And I think <laughs> it's just keeping the momentum going.
0: In terms of again this sort of thing of what 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 would we kind of hope to see, you know, kind of what should be the change? I mean, Peter, I wonder if there's, is there some sort of call for flipping opera on its head? You know, I'm not saying let's, let's take down all the heads of the UK opera companies, but if we're kind of um, thinking in terms of, let's just kind of imagine some sort of um, interesting future a, a year from now, is it, let's just get a completely kind of new group of of people to the table, as Olivia said, there's lots of people that have been there for a long time. Um, very happy to kind of go on the the status quo. Uh, is it a case of just completely shaking things up? Is that what we should be thinking about doing?
2: I think it's more a case of looking and and looking at the world around us and making what we're doing and our ourselves uh, reflective of that. Um, and and yeah, that's the the easiest way of putting it I, I, I can find is that we need to um, be a mirror of Yeah, society and um and so what's happening on the stage behind the scenes on the boards um, needs to be reflective of of our society and and our communities um and yeah something that really worries me is that people will be turned off the profession because of what's happening at the moment and um, it's hard enough anyway trying to get that step up the ladder when you you leave an institution but in this climate it's uh, even worse and um, for for those already in the profession there are many people already thinking of going off and doing other things Um, so yeah if you're you're leaving an institution and wondering how to get on in the profession then yeah this is a time when you need to be um given some hope and um, and and the lifeline and I, I'm really encouraged to see things like um, Barbara Hannigan's initiative momentum um, to give opportunities to to young uh, professionals um, to to have a 10minute a slot in in um, in a, a more established performer's recital, for instance, and get paid for it, and I think lifelines like that are really crucial um, to um, yeah enable performers to to carry on and uh, and have some hope and um, and not feel like it's going to be this this huge hike up to um, building a, a profession and. Um, and also, if you're from a, a low income background as well, and um, you, you've just left an institution, you, your family aren't in the industry, you don't have those connections, then yeah, you're less likely to want to, to progress in this profession. And I think we need to be thinking about those things and, and the grassroots and, as Emma was saying, the, the education work and um i've i've been involved in some great education in- initiatives at ENO especially opera squad and and that work um is really crucial to um yeah showing young people what opera is and and what it can be and um so those things making sure that they are are, are still nurtured over this time uh, that's what really worries me that um yeah those those connections might be lost because of um economic circumstances and um, and the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I think that idea of keeping those kind of connections and being able to build a career whilst a lot of performance is still on hold is, is a really, really interesting one. Mm. Um, I mean, Emma, in terms of, you know, your career, I mean, you, you're kind of getting back into some work at the moment, um, you know, especially kind of after having a, a, a baby and kind of having that time off as well, trying to kind of get the work back up and running. I mean, do you kind of feel as though you've got those... Um, kind of uh hooks in the mountain that you can sort of start kind of climbing up to make those connections again to kind of get re-engaged with with the opera world i mean how do you kind of feel that the the outlook's kind of looking for for kind of people like you who are you know kind of you know already kind of working well in the in the industry do you kind of know uh where kind of things are, are going next
3: uh i mean as much as anyone knows <laughs> as much, um the the emails that i've been sending recently i've put in i'm very aware that the arts arts world is very shaky. Um, I I mean I've been I've been pronouncing for well I've been in the opera world for exactly 10 years now Um, so I do I do have a base of of connections which has served me I mean I so I went on maternity leave in February 2019 um, and had my little boy in April of that year and he was 10 days old when Scottish opera offered me an assistant job that would start in February 2020 so that was then just a huge weight off my mind because I knew that I'd have nine months at home, and then we'd go go to Glasgow, baby in tow, and um, and work for them for a couple of months. Obviously, I did about a month of that, and then the pandemic hit, and we all went home. But that um, there's the, the the constant freelance freelance juggle. I think where we are now, that opera companies are being very. We're kind of more aware of kind of what the seasons are starting to look like, and that really, twenty twenty, there's 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 stuff going on. But really, I think people are now looking forward ahead. ahead. Um, uh, and I think that you know, places like Holland Park and Longborough, and I don't know for sure, but I imagine Glyndebourne and the country house operas that are, are normally happen in the summer. I think they are really very much hoping that their twenty twenty one can go ahead, go ahead as normal or, or whatever normal is. Um, so it is just always a case of you know there's never enough work anyway, and even and there's even less work now um and i definitely have also been trying to think you know what am i going to do if you know what? yeah what yeah what everyone actually when i when i first went freelance um a director um friend of mine um i assisted him like my third job ever was assisting him and he took me for a drink after the dress rehearsal and went but what is your second skill? <laughs> like, uh, no, like, no, you need to, whether it be tutoring, tutoring, teaching, you know, doing you know, something else. He's like, you're gonna need, you're gonna need it. You might think you won't, but you will need it. And he was very, very correct. So,
0: and is that something that we just sort of accept as being part of this industry, in so. um, or in terms of, you know, is that something we should be aiming to to change, or is that just something we we accept?
3: I mean it's I think if you're a, if you're a singer um then and you want and you want to sing sing full time then you know uh core the what you said in your first very first point David then the fest the fest model would would be would be ideal because there are um there are not enough uh in this country um in-house in-house choristers in Germany is it's a way of life as being a full-time chorister and it's a brilliant way of life because it's it's a, if it. If you want it to be, it's a job for life, mm. um, and that you know, that really that really suits some people. Some people want to do it for three, four years and then go and do something else. Um, but yeah, I think it's. that people don't. I think in general, people are getting better about talking about life outside of opera, whether that be mental health or childcare, or that actually I have a. I you know I also have a second job that I do, and mm. and that. Pays, that pays the bills, um, and I think people just need to be. People are getting better at being more open, but it is it is a reality. No one, very few people in this industry, work full time in this industry, which is why um, when the pandemic hit, there was just this whole plethora of freelancers that was like, right, okay, this is not not great.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a great point, and actually something that we we should look to change is that you know if if you are a singer but do other jobs as well is kind of not being um ashamed or kind of shy about that you know mm. I, I am a singer and i also do other work as well you know i think that's you know i run an opera company but i also do lots of other work as well and that's and that's and that's fine um and just kind of accepting that that's kind of the way uh the industry work and that you know people live their lives you know i think that'll be a kind of a great thing to be able to to change you know kind of being able to talk a bit more openly about about that um I thought we've got quite serious. So let's just kind of pick on a couple of, uh, quick little <laughs> um, here, look, looking to the future. Um, so one uh, question we've got, a uh, point that, that came in, uh, said there's a gulf between new opera and popular art forms. Can popular music become opera? Um, I mean, not a lot of people agree with me, but I loved last year that, that Kanye West did two operas. Um, dramaturgically, there may have been problems, but I think it's fantastic that he said, I want to do an opera. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to do it my way. Uh, and it brought a whole new different type of people to come and see something that was that was that was called an opera um so you know i'm i'm all for this different ways of thinking about opera for me hamilton you know fantastic piece of work why why can't we you know call that an opera um i mean what what, what do you kind of think of olivia this kind of bringing together of the the popular which i know is something that stuart murphy your your boss at english national opera is kind of quite keen in and and opera is that something we should be be trying consciously to do more of
1: yeah, definitely. I'm um, not just to tick the ENO box here, but I I do personally feel feel that too. I I think it's it is really important to um, to keep opera relevant, and this so this is a sort of buzzword that's been uh, bandied around a little bit. Like, what is relevance? I mean, it should be emotional. It should be connective. It should it should speak to people and. Um, it shouldn't just speak to the same kind of demographic that it's been speaking to for for a, a, about a century now. It, it should be changing. And I think um, incorporating pop and um, different types of music. Uh, I really want to tell you something about driving life, but I won't. But anyway, there may be a bit of that in there. Who knows? Come and see it. Um, <laughs> You know, so th- there's all there's always a way to um to fuse art forms together, and I think it should be used. I also love uh, the use of technology in opera. I love it when there's like a film screen and, uh, and when there's some, some techie stuff going on. I I don't understand it, but I just think it's it just adds another dimension, and it's really cool. Um, but I also love just one singer on a stage with an orchestra doing something very simple with a chair or something I don't know Um, (laughs) and this is your territory (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah I'm I'm all for it and I, I, um, I had another point it's just gone out of my head but yeah
0: I mean what kind of what about you peter i mean I, I don't know about you but for me you know there are some great operas there you know your lab and whatnot but as you were kind of saying earlier those sorts of things just aren't going to, to speak to everybody is, is kind of a new way of looking at things and a way forward might actually just to be to really embrace lots of that kind of more not only kind of popular music but kind of pop culture and stuff into into opera is that kind of a, a great way of, of speaking to a to a different uh, generation of people
2: yeah, I think it's one way, but I, I think that our operatic canon, the repertoire we have, is is robust enough for us to to use it to tell stories that are relevant to to us now. And, and but I, that's not to say I'm not against collaboration and and bringing in other other styles. But I, I think at the the core, it has to be about what we're trying to say and who we're saying it to. And 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 yeah, those that sort of dialogue is always there and um so that it never becomes um a bit of a, a novelty or a fad it, it it it's it's a collaboration with with meaning and and we're trying to to change people's minds or or get them to question something and and that's when it becomes really exciting if we're demanding some, something of the audience and and they're asking questions back of us and um
1: can i just chime in there I, yeah, I agree, and I, I think that what I what I wanted to add is that um, as soon opera, I mean, as soon as you have uh, some a, a trained opera singer singing um, with their using their body as amplification as resonance. I know that was sort of a, another touching point. Um, you you have an opera, um, so if you if you have that in a sort of a very different displaced popular um music kind of way you still have an opera so um i yeah i agree that that also we could we we can do bohem in that way there there's no reason why not like this music as you said peter is is robust enough to, to take a bit of a, a bashing and to be moved around a little shaken up definitely needs a lot of a lot of um shows and, and a lot of the words changed as well because quite frankly a lot of it's outdated but it was it is hundreds and hundreds of years old so that's fine um so yeah I think as long as the the opera voice doesn't get diminished um, in any way and that skill that really impactful emotional raw skill is put at the top will be fine
0: You've made me very intrigued for the ENO um lab away. <laughs> Lots of little hints in here, which is making it sound very, very interesting. Um one quick thing to to kind of finish on. Um we had uh, uh, one suggestion come in, which said more opera outside an opera house that's not for kids. Um I mean, I think I think what this is referring to that a lot of the time, you know, the kind of Outreach operas and whatnot, which can be really fantastic pieces in themselves, tend to go to lots of different weird and wonderful venues. But it's very rare that a, a big kind of production gets out of the opera house. Um, you know, I think one example is uh, the Royal Opera House did um Orfeo at the Roundhouse a couple of years ago, which was fantastic. um The Labour where I'm going to Alexander Palace, I think probably is, is another example. um But Emma, with your kind of directing hat on, does kind of getting out the opera house. Um, kind of give you some interesting kind of thoughts for the for the future would you kind of love to do more stuff kind of outside of that environment um and I suppose from Olivia and Peter's musical perspective does that idea of having to do things in car parks and shopping centers absolutely terrify you um <laughs> Emma first of all
3: um I mean I love I love site specific site specific stuff always have done um, and I've worked on really big projects and i also directed something that was in actually in someone's living room and it was a very big living room in harrogate it was beautiful Um, but we got 50 people in and it was a living room that happened to have a mezzanine balcony so the orchestra went on the balcony and we did william walton's the bear and it was brilliant Uh, the singers were brilliant (laughs) Um, but that kind of you know you don't necessarily need the proscenium and the pit and and the beautifully raked audience um, so yeah, I think, yeah, it doesn't have to be in an opera house. And I think, um, we need as just in general, as an industry, we need to be slightly more fleet to foot in these times and doing stuff outdoors is probably going to be one of the, one of the ways forward so that we can get more, more, uh, more audience in Because at the moment. I think trying to get people physically into a building is, is tricky as I'm sure Olivia can speak to how you're conducting rehearsals at, you know,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard. It's a minefield, but uh, it's, it is solvable and there is a way through it. And I completely agree that it it's amazing to, uh, to have to use that skill and um, that necessity to be able to just get out and do put on an opera anywhere and, and outside definitely. But I do, there is just something about an opera house that like that kind of plush, decor and the feeling it has a very spiritual feeling for me it's like walking into a big cathedral um and I get it more in an opera house to be honest um so I, I I do I have both of them I do I do have that sort of love I really want to get back into the collie I really really want to see that <laughs> that velvet curtain again so yeah
0: and Peter from the singer's perspective uh, does it fill you with with dread if you're taking outside the the opera house or is that uh, is that something you look forward to
2: not really i i suppose obviously there, there is this luxury of having amazing acoustics in in a specific opera house uh, um that, that's built for that but um yeah I, i've done the emperor of atlantis with polly graham um twice now in in the car park in in peckham um and to To have that intimacy and relationship with the audience who are in the round, sitting on straw bales, um, is is second to none, and um, I, I think it's it's a, also a great way of of taking opera to, to people and and communities as well. And I, I think that's something that we we always have to be mindful of is that. Um, people won't always want to come to us. So yeah, we should go out there and, and take it to them and, and see if they they want it. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think that's a great uh, sentiment to, to end on for today. Lots of things um, that we've discussed. Uh, do keep the conversation going. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at OperaCastPod, Facebook at OperaCast and Instagram at OperaCast. Um, we're not going to end today with our usual OperaCast quiz, which I'm sure our panellists are delighted to hear. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so instead i'd recommend you head over to our facebook page to take part in the lockdown quiz we recorded back in april um i think that emma still has the leading high score um so do take part um, Not very high. <laughs> let, let us know what you get and see if um we can knock emma off the leaderboard um <laughs> thank you all for joining us this afternoon um of course a huge thank you to peter olivia and emma for joining us um this event has been part of this year's Leeds Opera Festival. Uh, there are still uh, lots of events going on over the next couple of days, so do head over to northernoperagroup.co.uk to see the full list of events uh, taking place online and in person. All the events are free to attend, but if you've enjoyed this opera cast or any of the events of part of the festival, uh, you can make a donation in support of Northern Opera Group's work by texting NOG, N O G, to 70085 to donate £5. Um, thank you to Emma for joining us today.
3: Thank you,
0: David. Thank you for yeah. Lovely to meet you both, Olivia and Peter. Yeah, you too. <laughs> uh, thank you to Olivia. I uh, hope you have a, a lovely time doing your um, you know, driving live.
1: Thanks very much. See you all there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> um, and and thank you, Peter. Um, look forward to seeing uh, some more of the the Getty Challenge stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah kind of actually, of getting back yeah. to, to singing again. Uh, yes. Yeah. And
2: thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: Not at all. Um thank you for joining us uh, and our regular OperaCast programming will be back with you from the middle of September onwards. Thank you all very much and goodbye.